Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's Fastest 90 Minutes Post Time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozich. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened. That just happened. Don't touch that dial. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, what a week it was in the uh, sport of harness racing. Uh, it seemed like we had a week of ups and downs, uh, starting off with uh, Foiled again, scoring his 99th career victory. He goes for win number 100 at Yonkers Raceway this weekend. Yeah, it was kind of a tale of two cities, if you will. I mean, foiled again, the Angelus War Horse, the ultimate iron horse, about to get his 100th career victory. And then on the other side of the token, you've got another great one in the sport of harness racing, some beat somewhere who tragically passed away on Sunday, stricken by cancer. And today is going to be that Sunbeat Somewhere tribute show, Mike. We're going to take a look at his life, his career, not only his racing career where he lost one race, and a lot of people say, Mike, that that was the best race that he actually did race, three wide at the half, powering up and out gamed by artificial towards the end of that mile in the Meadowlands pace. But a terrific stud life afterwards, just producing winner after winner after winner. And then we're going to take a look at the life and times of Sunbeat somewhere. His uh, very first trainer, uh, Desiree Arsenault is going to be joining us uh, coming up at about uh, 1050 or so. And uh, Jean-Louis Arsenault, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about the early days of Sunbeat somewhere. Plus we're going to talk to his regular driver, Paul McDonnell, it's going to be towards the top of the hour. Paul, uh, believe it or not, making his first appearance on this program, Mike. And uh, uh, I'll tell you what, Paul, what a, a great driver. And uh, him and Sunbeat somewhere were just absolutely a match for one another, Mike. A complete match for one another. We're going to talk to Paul about the big horse. And uh, Amanda Gallagher, not a whole lot of people know who Amanda Gallagher is, but there was a documentary that was set to air uh, on Canadian cable TV, and it is still going to air sometime this year about the life and times of Sunbeat somewhere. Amanda Gallagher is directing that film. Melissa Keith had a chance to talk to her back in, uh, I believe it was November in a Harness Racing Update article. Uh, so we're going to touch base with Amanda as far as uh, to see where that documentary is in production and when exactly that's going to air. So Amanda's going to be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. Plus uh, our good friend Melissa Keith, uh, the uh, the heart and soul behind Ushra Canada, uh, came up with a very nice produced segment. We're going to hear from her uh, on 
Some Beach Somewhere and how he affected mainstream media. He broke through, Mike, and you know how tough it is for any horse or human in this industry to break through that mainstream media mold. Some Beach Somewhere was able to accomplish that. Melissa Keith's going to take a look at that. Plus, uh, let's see, what else do we have today? Uh, Jeff Gessick is, or excuse me, Janine Gessick is going to be joining us uh, from Pacing for the Cure. It's going to be a monthly segment talking about multiple sclerosis. Mike, uh, a lot of people are living uh, with this disease. I know uh, uh, Jeff Gessick's father passed away uh, from this disease not too long ago, and uh, Janine's going to talk to us a little bit about multiple sclerosis and talk to us about how harness racing is uh, playing a part in uh, trying to find a cure for this uh, disease, Mike. But this, so we're going to get into Sunbeat somewhere. It'll be a Sunbeat somewhere heavy show starting up in just a few minutes. But, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what. And I was perusing through Facebook, and, uh, and I know you are going to be a part of the usual awards. Because oh, yeah. you're the usual breakthrough award winner of 2017. But uh, I don't know how excited you are about this, Mike. But I am certainly excited. Now, let's for those of you that haven't heard, we're going to play the, the, the video clip here, and then we're going to comment on it. So, so just take a listen. It's the Nature Flair right here today, the two-time Hall of Famer, coming back to Orlando, Florida, February 25th, 2018. The Nature Boy comes back to Orlando for the Dan Patch Awards. To announce the Harness Horse of the Year, the Nature Boy, who I'll be limousine riding, I'll be woo, jet flying, I'll be kiss stealing in Orlando on the 25th. Get your tickets now, because I'll be looking as only I can look for the Dan Patch Awards to announce the Harness Horse of the Year. Woo, February 25th. Get those tickets now. Woo. This is quite a coup for the sport, Mike. It really is. I completely agree. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like it, it, the people I've talked to, it's a legitimate thing. And our man Ric Flair is going to be wooing his way uh, to the Dan Patch Awards. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I can't wait. I've already talked to uh, my good friend and your uh, your, your colleague, uh, Peter Aiello. And he he told me i got to at least send him a uh, video message or something with a woo involved in it. So uh, we'll have to see if we can make that happen. Well, you know... I'm going to do you one further, and I know when you go to this thing, you're not going to be technically on assignment for post time with Mike and Mike, but we have to get an interview with the Nature Boy. How awesome I would mean, that we, be? You, you, that? Well, well, listen, you're you're a big guy now. You're an Ushua Breakthrough Award winner, and I <laughs> fully expect you to be able to pull this off. And if Ric Flair okay. looks at you and says, hey, who the hell are you? Just say, listen, I'm the Ushua Breakthrough Award winner. Okay, I, I'll get on that. Let me let me uh, I'll get on that. Let me work on that a little bit. All right, but no, that's honestly that's uh, all kidding aside. That's big big doings. I mean, we just talked about a couple of seconds ago about harness racing breaking through, kind of that glass ceiling, trying to get into the mainstream. And I'll tell you what, to be quite honest, they don't get no more mainstream than the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Not at all. And uh, I'll tell you what, when I saw that video yesterday, Mike, I, I had my doubts, but I asked a few people and it looks like uh, it, it's going to happen. But listen, the only thing that would make this even cooler is if, you know, the Hulk Hulkster showed up. If Hulk Hogan was there, 
you know, th- then we, we could talk a little bit because Hulk, uh, don't li- listen, Ric Flair, if you're listening to our show, which you're probably not, but if you are, listen, yeah. I- I'm a Hulkster fan through and through, so. I don't know if they get along or not quite well. There's been some mixed signals throughout the years, but the, well, Hulk Hogan anyway, I guess he's running for Senate now. Oh, is he? I didn't hear that. That's a, that's a new one. Yeah, he, he so he's running for Senate, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But anyway, that's a big thing. The Nature Boy is going to be there February 25th in Orlando, Florida, as will uh, all the dignitaries. Once again, congratulations to all the award winners. I think over the next couple of weeks, Mike, we probably should make an attempt to get some of the award winners on. I see uh, our good friend Allison Conti won another award with oh, yeah. uh, TJ Burkett and Rich Johnson. Congratulations to them. Well, I'll tell you what, you talk about a well-deserved award. How many is there anybody that gets around more than Allison Conti at a live remote when when they're covering a big race ball? I'll tell you what, she is everywhere. Listen, her, TJ, and Rich are bouncing around. I, I don't think you you could see them for more than ten minutes or so at a no. time. Literally, no. you're constantly, constantly running, and that's uh, you know that's the that's just how it goes. You know, if you're looking for Allison, oh, she went that way. Well, she went that way. She went this way. She is all over the place, and uh, the three of them and the whole USTA team do a fantastic job with uh, all the work that they do at any of their live stuff. No question about it. Real quick before we get to our first time out, and uh, we get to our Sun Beach Summer Tribute show, the Yonkers passing lane has been removed. It's been a couple of weeks in the making now. I know you had a chance to see some of the races from Yonkers. I have as well. What are your thoughts? You know, listen, I think it has definitely helped uh, Yonkers Raceway uh, handle-wise. And, you know, I see a lot – a customer of mine at Northfield actually mentioned this for me – mentioned this to me. And one of his favorite drivers is Jason Bartlett. And he said this sets up for Jason Bartlett big time because he likes to come from off the pace. And he's able to do so. You know, he comes three wide. And you've seen some really exciting racing going on uh, at Yonkers. And I'll tell you what, how about a handle flip? at Yonkers Raceway from 30 or 40,000 to race to 60 to 100,000 a race. I'll tell you what, that's a heck of a flip. Certainly is. And like I say, you can't be afraid to try new things. And I think the racing has been a lot more competitive. And I'll tell you another thing too. This could play more into the hands of trip handicappers. If you're a trip handicapper out there, if you're one of those guys that likes to watch video I'll tell you, this plays into your hands because you're going to see some horses that are going to be locked for racing room pretty much on a, uh, what, a by a by race basis. Maybe even a uh, every race you're going to see a horse that's going to have some kind of excuse of getting locked in. So this could be the return of the trip handicapper in a big way at Yonkers. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. You know, you don't have to worry about horses coming up the pylons. And I'll tell you what, after watching the last couple of races at Yonkers Raceway uh, over the last couple of weeks, I'm a full fan of the non-passing lane. I think it's uh, definitely a great thing. All right. Well, when we come back, we have a tribute to the great one. Some beats hey, uh, hey yes, Mike, sir. Real, real quick, we're, we're, we're talking about Foiled again and his 100th victory coming up. And Matt, uh, Matt from the DRF Harness, uh, our good friend Matt Rose, he, he just posted an interesting stat uh, about Foiled again. And it's four days after Yonkers Raceway reopened with their casino in 2006, Foiled again won a non-winners of two event. This Saturday, just happens to be, I think it's their fifth or sixth racing day, he'll go for career win 100. That's, uh, that's a pretty impressive, uh, pretty impressive stat, that's for sure. 
No question about it. The great one foiled again, continuing to go strong. When we come back, it's our look at some beat somewhere on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America Plus. Jean Louis Arsenault will be joining us, the first trainer of some beat somewhere. Paul McDonnell, Amanda Gallagher, Melissa Keith, Janine Gassick, much, much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Stay tuned. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. As soon as I got him on the track, I knew there was something there. He was a big, strong colt, and and he had uh, a lot of energy in him. And some beach somewhere in his career debut is going to win it. A mile of one, fifty-four and two. A true champion, no matter what sport, has to earn that title on and off his or her arena. A true champion has the heart that are many sizes bigger than their athletic frame. As they move towards the top of the stretch, Santana Blue Chips got to do better. Shadow Play confronted on the outside by Some Beach somewhere. Some Beach somewhere. Shadow Play is all hurt. It's come down to the sail in the messenger final. Shadow Play, Some Beach somewhere. Some champion. A true champion is stunning in victory. Blue Claws racing in third. Some beach somewhere. A 16th from the finish. Mystery Chase a distant second. It's Some beach somewhere. He is heading down to the wire. Some beach somewhere. McDonnell pushes him home. 146 and 4. Equaling the world record. And even better in defeat. An eighth of a mile away, some beat somewhere under pressure. Artificial up to his wheel on the outside. Some beat somewhere 
pull out. Artificial, a desperate lunge on the outside. Artificial, something somewhere at the line. Artificial, 147. World record upset in the pace. This is a tribute to a true champion. began in May of 2005. Sired by Mach 3 out of a beach towel bear, Where's the Beach? Subbeach Subwear was purchased as a yearling in Lexington, Kentucky by the schooner stables of Truro, Nova Scotia for $40,000. Picked out that night by co-owner Brent McGrath, the beach was the first horse through the sail ring on that Friday. Showed in front of a sparse crowd due to a race-off at the Red Mile, which prompted the races to go longer than expected. Getting used to his new home in Nova Scotia, McGrath contacted an old friend. Driver Paul McDonnell trained Sunday somewhere in the neighborhood of 157 and was very impressed by what he saw. He won his debut in Grand River Raceway in the Battle of Waterloo Eliminations in a track record slash Canadian seasons record of 154-2 for driver Paul McDonnell and trainer Jean-Louis Arsenault. Despite putting in some steps in the Battle of Waterloo final, the budding superstar gathered himself and went on to an in-hand victory. But here comes some beach somewhere, and Paul McDonnell, some beach somewhere at the top of the stretch, has come on to take the lead, and some beach somewhere now is cruising down the stretch drive the 10th Battle of Waterloo. Final goes to some beach somewhere and Paul McDonnell. At that point, Paul McDonnell suggested to the ownership group that the two-year-old belonged on the Grand Circuit. McDonnell was right. There's a moment in your bones when, when the fire takes over. Blood is running, heart is pumping, as the battle gets closer. Shadow plays back in third, deep stretch. McDonnell has not moved a muscle on some beach somewhere. Some beach somewhere leads by four lengths here in deep stretch, and they are not going to touch some beach somewhere who barely broke a sweat to win tonight. And it's some beach somewhere putting up some kind of fractions. He leads by two now, three coming off the turn. Late pace from Moonbeam and Santana Blue Chip. Some beach somewhere, 16th to go. Moonbeam not going to catch him. Some beach somewhere in big match. The big bucks to win the Metro Pace. He won by two lengths and he's home in 149 and three. A world record performance in the final of the Metro Pace. Sunbeat Somewhere went on to finish a perfect six for six in his two year old campaign with earnings over $700,000. After being scratched lame to start his three year old season, he was afforded one tightener, a winning one in the Burlington at Mohawk before facing his toughest test to date, the $1.5 million Pepsi North America Cup. After taking care of business in the eliminations, he was sent off the prohibitive favorite in the main event one week later, and he would not disappoint. So they come to three quarters chasing after some beach somewhere. Some beach somewhere, still not getting his cue from McDonnell. He still leads by a length and a half, and he's at three quarters in 122, 27, and one third quarter speed. Some 
One of the greatest trophies in the sport of harness racing, the Meadowlands Pace. Our signature event at the Big M, 1.1 million on the line, and the gate is moving. The beach followed as North America Cup win with his fastest mile yet. A 148-3 showing in the Meadowlands Pace Elimination. What happened next will remain with harness racing fans for the, the rest outside. of their lives. Fourth at the rail. Sand Shooter is racing in sick. Then it's Badlands Nitro. Some beat somewhere was used very hard. He's under a hand drive. McDonnell shakes the lines at him. Artificial sticking right with him. One, 19 and one. Some beat somewhere leads it by two. Artificial tips to the outside trying to get to him. An eighth of a mile away. Some beat somewhere under pressure. Artificial up to his wheel on the outside. Some beat somewhere full out. Artificial, a desperate lunge on the outside. Artificial, some beat somewhere at the line. Artificial, 147, world record upset in the pace. The 2008 Meadowlands pace would go down as some beat somewhere's lone defeat. He would go on to win his next nine races. Those races included the Confederation Cup, the Tattersalls from the Red Mile, the Messenger, and the Ontario Sire Stakes final before going on to his final test as a racehorse, the Breeders' Crown at the Meadowlands. McDonnell kicks out the plug, and he draws away to a three-length lead. Shadowplay trying to rev up and come get him from the pocket spot. Up the rail is Blue Ridge Western. Some beat somewhere. Shadowplay on the outside. Blue Ridge Western at the rail. Some beat somewhere. Leads it as they head down to the line. Some beat somewhere. Goes on a champion in the Breeders' Round. And just like that, the racing career of one of the greatest harness horses of all time was over. Sunbeat Somewhere finished with 20 wins and one second in 21 career starts with earnings of $3.3 million. He won numerous awards and set numerous records, including equaling the fastest mile ever at 146-4 at the Red Mile. Although the Beach's racing career was over, his life and legacy would live on through his children. Down by the seaside. Captain Treacherous. Somewhere over a rainbow. Pure country. Call me Queen Bee. Huntsville. Check six. Ocean Colony. Somewhere in L.A. Dr. J. Hanover. Limelight Beach. Inverse Hanover. Idyllic Beach. Some omen somewhere. Sand between your toes. Lions somewhere. And the list goes on and on. The beach's sons and daughters have made millions. And like Dad, have won some of the most prestigious races on the planet. Last year, Sunbeat Somewhere was diagnosed with cancer. He passed away on Sunday afternoon at the age of 13. Although the beach has gone on to join other harness racing greats in their rightful place above, 
the story of the six business partners and horse enthusiasts from Truro, Nova Scotia, whose dreams came true, will be forever etched in the hearts and souls of racing fans and enthusiasts. The memories will live on at racetracks across North America, at barns and pastures across the heartlands, and the memories will most certainly carry on at some beach, somewhere. time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America right now. We're joined by the first trainer that some beat somewhere had. His name is Jean-Louis Arsenault. Jean, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Jean, tell us about uh, the early days of some beat somewhere uh, and tell us when you guys realized you had something special. Well, yeah, I mean, I just received him uh, after he had qualified three times in uh, Tour of Nova Scotia. Um, all winter they were telling him, you know, he was training like a real nice colt, and but you know, you never know till you get them there and get them against other horses. They were just hoping for an Ontario sire at first. Um, once he landed there, we uh, raced him in the Battle of Waterloo and uh, did that pretty easily. Looked very good doing that, but till then you still didn't know if you had a, a some beach somewhere. Yes. Um, after the Metro, the Metro elimination, he was pretty awesome in the elimination, and uh, after that, the final. That's when you said, okay, he's, he's for he's the real deal. Uh, but up to there, like, you know, he was in real nice colt, but he had never, like, you know, uh, beat some of the best or raced against the best right that way. Now, obviously, uh, you never know until they start racing against tough competition uh, just how good they were. And you said the Metro was kind of where he kind of jumped out off the page. But when you were training him down, how did what kind of a horse was he uh, when you were training him? Well, I, I didn't train him much down. Brent McCrad trained him down in Tour Nova Scotia. Um, you know, he said he was a nice colt, but nothing, uh, you know, he was doing it, everything they asked him to do, he was doing it right. You know what I mean? He always went forward, and uh, as I'm asking him for more, there was more. And uh, three qualifiers was nothing to, like, you know, he qualified in two minutes, which, you know, half-mile track was okay, but it was nothing to, uh, you know, right away to say we got the greatest horse. But uh, after, you know, the, 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 the Battle of Waterloo was pretty awesome. And even after the, the, the elimination of the Metro, uh, Paul McDonald drove Dew Sealster too, and he had won his elimination. And uh, right after that, he wasn't quite sure yet which one he was going to drive in the final. So, um, you know, he decided half an hour after, which probably was the greatest thing he ever did. But, um, yeah, he wasn't quite sure then. He had won 51 easy enough, but Dew Sealster had won too, like, pretty easy, like, by 6 and 51. So, um, till the, the final of the Metro where, you know, he paced uh, an unbelievable mile, like, you know, uh, for a young two-year-old's fourth lifetime start, you know, um, was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was certainly for uh, those of uh, you that may not be up on the Sun Beach Somewhere history, that was a heck of a 
a fork in the road for Paul McDonnell because here you've got Deuce Seals who came into the Metro red hot, and then you've got Sun Beach somewhere, and and uh, that was a, a heck of a choice for, for Paul McDonnell, but obviously Paul made the right one. You know, uh, John, talking to uh, Paul, when did Paul – when do you think Paul realized that that uh, that he was sitting behind a very special horse? Well, probably the Metro – I mean, the Metro, I mean, he took off on Paul up the backstretch. Like, you know, like for a two-year-old fourth lifetime start, like he pays four quarters that day, like, you know, one in 26 and all the other three in 27. He got him to three quarters, like I think it was 122, like just with so much ease. Like there was just no, you know I mean? After that, he was just a passenger. From then on, like he didn't have to ask him a whole lot. He just, you know, he knew what he had to do. He went, took off forward. So I think from that day on that you realize, you know what I mean? He was going to be very special. Mike. John, uh, I, sorry about that. Sorry, Mike, I, my mute button there uh, backfired on me. But uh, uh, John, talking about just how good some beach somewhere was on the racetrack, he was also just a fantastic horse in the breeding shed. And, and watching some of his uh, offspring kind of grow up has been kind of amazing to see. Um, when they go from as big as they were on the racetrack to the breeding shed. And some people, you know, they just, they, they don't understand or haven't grasped, you know, what horses can do. Talk about, you know, what the hope is for translation, what you're looking for in their babies. Well, the biggest thing is, like you say, if, if, if Beach probably wouldn't have been what he is in the shed, he would have been like, you know, like some people call them flop. Uh, we might not be having this show today. I mean, we would say he was a great horse. We, be 10 years, 11 years ago, and, you know, they kind of forget them pretty fast in this business. Um, But, you know, once you get in the breeding shed, I mean, for sure, the first few years, he got some really nice mares. He had a chance to prove himself. But once they gave him that chance, he did prove himself. Uh, And I still think, me, myself, uh, his greatest accomplishments are going to be from here on. Uh, for what he's going to leave behind with all his, you know, his, his sons and daughters and what he's going to do to the breeding. I, I think just going to be unbelievable. I think that's probably where it's going to be his greatest success myself. Did you ever believe that some beach somewhere would turn out to be like this? Um, at first, you know, it, it just, you, you never expect that. I mean, when you start racing them, I mean, there's so many factors that can, you know, can happen, you know, sickness, lameness, uh, like we know as trainers, like, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. And in, in the breeding shed that, you know, I mean, for sure, when you get the best marriage, you're going to get the, the best shot, but uh, you just never know until they do it. I mean, you can't, the same, you know, same like they say in a race, you'll never know how good he is until you get them tired. So it's just like, you know, um, the, the, the great athletes, like, you know, like anybody, they step up, you know, when the time is right. They they, they, they know, you know, they're there. Jean-Louis Arsenault, the first trainer of uh, Sun Beach Somewhere. Jean, we certainly appreciate you joining us once again on behalf of all of us uh, here at Post Time with Mike. And Mike, so sorry uh, about your loss. And uh, I'll tell you what, Sun Beach Somewhere certainly left his mark on the harness racing world and uh, will continue to do so through his babies. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, very nice for you guys to do that show for him. That's very appreciated. All right. That was Jean-Louis Arsenault, the first trainer of uh, some beach somewhere. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, certainly a, a, a touching, touching tale as we heard through the production piece and uh, just a, a dream scenario, a dream sequence 
uh, for the owners and all the connections of some beach somewhere to have been associated uh, with such a great horse and certainly a dream sequence for the harness racing fans as well. We've got plenty left to come on this Sun Beach Somewhere tribute show on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Paul McDonnell will be coming up next. Paul, of course, the regular driver of Sun Beach Somewhere, plus Amanda Gallagher will be joining us. We're going to hear from Janine Gessick in the in part one of our monthly series dealing with harness racing and multiple sclerosis. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Back after this. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. This edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by Some Beach Somewhere's regular driver, Paul McDonnell. Paul, how's it going, my friend? I'm very good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Well, first, uh, Paul, uh, from all of us here, uh, we are definitely uh, sorry for the loss of Some Beach Somewhere. But I have to ask, uh, before we jump into his career and kind of the things that – 
kind of the things you remember coming down the stretch in the Pepsi North America Cup. I know a lot of drivers they don't listen uh, for the crowd, and you know they don't they don't hear a lot of that. But coming down the stretch, what what kind of feeling was it like to hear the crowd just kind of roar for some beach somewhere as he was coming down the stretch? Well, it was to tell you the truth, it was a little surreal. Um, just the the excitement and the atmosphere and the, what we were going through that night, and uh, you could just see the people even um, from the paddock area. They were kind of strewn onto the track. They were watching them come down the stretch, and and uh, it was just a surreal feeling for me and, uh, you know, one that I'll never forget. Mike Boza, Chair. Um, Paul, you have been with Sunbeach somewhere since day one. And, uh, you've, you know, done a, obviously you've been a big fan of Sunbeach somewhere for a long, long time. And uh, we're kind of following along, especially back in the early days when you first sat behind Sunbeach somewhere. When exactly did you know that you guys had something special here? Well, um, I had the opportunity to train him before he even uh, ever did race. Uh, Brent McGrath qualified him, uh, I think it was twice at uh, Truro, before he brought him to Ontario. And uh, he asked me to train him one day. And uh, I went over to Mohawk and we trained him. And uh, he was pretty impressive. He, uh, I think he paced the last half right around 55 seconds. And this is a two-year-old that never raced yet, you know. So um, I knew there was something there. But until you get into race situations, you never know. So um, uh, his first start was scheduled over at Grand River for the Battle of Waterloo eliminations. And uh, uh, it didn't take me long to figure out that we had something special on our hands right after that race. I mean, he was really impressive setting a track record in his, his first time behind the gate. Yeah, and that was unbelievable. Then you get to the Battle of Waterloo finals again uh, over the uh, Grand River half mile, and it looked like he put in a couple of steps, but he was quickly able to gather himself. Now, if you go back to the archives of uh, uh, the owners' interviews, uh, it seemed like that's when a few of the owners were completely sold. And I believe after that race, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, that's when the decision was made to kind of turn him loose to the grand circuit. But when he put in a few steps and, and, and got his act back together, that was, that was, I think when the decision was made to take him to the grand circuit, is that accurate? Yeah, that's fairly accurate. Um, you know, um, before the, the, the race at uh, grand river, you know, we kind of knew that um, later in the fall, he would be um, heading to the bigger races. I mean, he just showed that much uh, speed and power. So, um, the, the half mile track as a two early two year old probably wasn't, you know, exactly in his wheelhouse, but, uh, uh, he was able to overcome and he did put in a few steps on the back stretch there in the final and overcame that and still went on and won. But, uh, the real goal that year was, uh, aiming him toward the Metro and that's what we did. Now, Paul, obviously you had a huge decision to make uh, in the Metro final and talking to Jean-Louis Arsenault, uh, we, we talked a little bit about kind of what went into that decision. Uh, how nervous and nerve-wracking was that decision for you? And uh, obviously looking back at now, it was the right decision. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, it was no fun. Uh, two Colts that good um, that early in their careers like that um, and both pointed for the same race. It was it wasn't a decision I wanted to make because I knew I was giving up a really nice course along the line somewhere. But, um, 
you know, after the eliminations, um, you know, there some beach somewhere just left little doubt uh, who the strongest horse was, and and uh, he went on and uh, proved that to me many times after. So, uh, not taking anything away from Deuce Seelster, he went on and also had a great career and and earned lots of money for his owners. So, uh, it was just a little unfortunate they came along in the same year, I guess. On to the three-year-old campaign. We already talked a little bit about the uh, the Pepsi North America Cup. Obviously, the Meadowlands pace was next on the docket. Uh, it looked very, very good in the eliminations. And a lot of people say that some beat somewhere is one and only defeat, which, of course, is in that memorable race. And the Meadowlands pace was his best effort out of the 21 starts. How true do you think? Uh I would have to say that it, it it probably was. I mean, he he put in such a gallant fight that night. It was uh it was unbelievable the mile that he went. Uh it was unfortunate we were on on the losing side of it, but uh um I know he didn't uh lose any supporters after that. I mean, he just gained supporters. So, um you know, it was an unfortunate loss, but uh, uh again, he just showed his his uh his class and his his uh, his ableness to overcome things, and uh, uh, it was just a truly uh, remarkable effort that he put in that night. Now, obviously, he had two uh, other victor or a couple other victories after that, and one of those being in the Breeders' Crown, Paul. And you know, in, in the Breeders' Crown, he kind of came in. He, you know, he w- had won the rest of his races leading up to it. And Sam McKee, I think, uh, said it the best when he said he was going out a champion. He, he put in a champion's effort and won that race uh, just absolutely easily. Yes, he did, and uh, you know that that capped off the season for us. I mean, he. He was as strong in that race as he was in any of his races. I think he paced his last quarter right around 26 and two or something like that. And, and he had uh, a very nice horse on his back shadow play. And I mean, he just paced away on him the last eighth of a mile. And uh, I think Sam nailed it that night when he, when he said he's going out a champion because he certainly did. And I'll tell you what, Paul, uh, you know, Mike Carter and I being both announcers, I have to tell you that some beat somewhere <laughs> really was good to announcers because I'll tell you what, I think it probably uh, gave Ken Middleton the best call of his career, one of the best to calls in the Pepsi North America Cup I've ever heard, and certainly with Sam McKee with the, the Meadowlands pace and the Breeders' Crown right up there. But, uh, you know, a lot of thing. one of the things I, I think that a lot of people may not realize about some beat somewhere was that he was actually – going to go to the matron after that and he never started on a five eighths mile track uh but of course was was scratched out of that what was what was the deal with that was he uh he was headed to the matron yeah he was entered and um i think what happened was uh two days before the race he spiked the temperature he was at mark ford's uh farm in uh, new york and and uh just didn't make any sense his temperature flared up um and uh you know his white count uh, rose a wee bit and so the decision was made not to to go on to uh, the matron um i think he recovered fairly quickly after that and we were kind of scratching our heads and maybe but anyway he uh it was the right decision and uh he went out a champion in the breeder's crown now paul uh one thing about uh, the Canadian racing program, and you look at horses like Some Beach Somewhere and Sand Pale, you really get the crowd 
uh, aspect of it in uh, Canada, you know, and it kind of, you know, of course the U S has, there always be Mickey versus wiggle it, jiggle it or down by the seaside or fear the dragon. But it, it seems like it's different in Canada a little bit when you have horses like sand pale or uh, some beach somewhere kind of come out of the woodwork. Uh, the Canadian uh, bred horses really kind of just jump out off the page at the racing fans. Oh yeah, they certainly do. I mean, you just nailed two horses there that, uh, basically brought uh, mainstream media from Canada uh, to our sport. I mean, they both uh, were recognized uh, in, in, in all the trades papers and outside of racing. So um, we also, also at Mohawk really have a fan friendly uh, uh, racetrack there and it's kind of a country track and, and the real race lovers come out to watch and, uh, uh, I think that goes a long way, and it you know uh, the the following that both those horses gathered up over the the years was just impressive, and uh, uh, I think uh, racing probably could use a, a few more like that. Paul, one final question before we let you go: What did Sun Beach somewhere mean to you on a personal level? Well, he, I mean. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to really put it into words. I mean, he definitely defined uh, my career. There's no question about that. I mean, I had people for for since I've since he's retired. I, I don't think there was many days when I was at the racetrack that someone didn't mention the horse. I mean, what he's done in the his stud barn, what he did in the racetrack. Um, he was just an incredible animal, and I mean, to even have my name associated with them. I mean, it's just a complete uh, privilege and pleasure. All right, Paul McDonnell, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us on behalf of all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. Very sorry uh, for the loss of a great one, certainly an iconic, giant loss for the sport of harness racing. Paul, we appreciate you joining us, my friend. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate being on. Thank you. That was driver Paul McDonnell, and obviously you can tell, Mike, the emotion started to well up in his voice, especially uh, during the last couple minutes as he was talking about what the beach meant to him on a personal level. Yeah, definitely, and uh, like I said, Mike, you know, the the Canadian bred horses really, really get a lot of backing from the fans, from the industry in Canada, and it it, it makes it... uh, you know, it, it makes it that much more special for those guys up there. And Paul McDonnell uh, obviously uh, talked a little bit about the Meadowlands pace and talked about it being uh, one of his best races, Mike. And even in defeat, he said, of course, he wanted to be on the other, obviously wanted to be on the other side of that. But the one thing that I noticed about it was even in defeat, uh, obviously, uh, all of their connections, Paul McDonnell and everybody were so gracious and said, you know what? We we got beat. It is what it is. We're moving on, and let's keep let's keep on going. You know, we actually had another interview to run. We had a chance to talk to Hanover Shoe Farms, uh, Murray Brown. It was a uh, a recorded interview that we did yesterday, and and uh, due to technical woes, we're not able to air that. But I'll just give you a little bit of a a uh, a little bit of a synopsis of what Murray had to say. I mean, Murray thought that Sun Beach was uh, certainly one of the greatest of all time. Not only. Uh, during his racing season and his racing career, but also uh, in the breed shed, a very, very friendly horse, a fan-friendly horse. And, Mike, I think we saw that because when we were 
um, when we were talking about doing this show and we started putting out on social media, we started to get uh, floods of pictures, Mike, with uh, people with their children taking pictures with uh, Sun Beach somewhere. But Murray went on to say is one of a kind and, and uh, certainly a life lost too soon. That's from the Hall of Famer Murray Brown of Hanover Shoe Farms. And Mike, I know uh, you had a chance to chat with Ken Middleton a little bit. He wasn't able to join us today, but he certainly had some uh, words to say about the beach. Yeah, Ken, uh, he is uh, suffering uh, with the flu, as so many people are right now, and uh, he he couldn't get uh, his voice uh, good enough to come on the show, which we completely get. But he said, Quote, he was great. Uh, he was a great horse on so many levels. Obviously, obviously his talent both on and off the track. And, but he was also great in the sense that he was one of those special horses that always had people to excuse me, tuning in or turning out to see what he would do next. He also was great because he restored faith to all the dreamers in the game that anyone can have a world champion. He rose from humble beginnings and left all of us with memories that will last a lifetime. My condolences to his connections. Rest in peace, Beach. If you ever get a chance, Mike, to check out uh, the um, – and I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's on the internet. It's it's all over the place. It's a three-part video um, about some beach somewhere. I believe it aired on Canadian cable, and – they had all the owners in the room and such a great story because they came down to Lexington and they did not want to spend a dollar over $40,000. They didn't want to spend a nickel over $40,000. Okay. And it was an interesting scenario because on that Friday night, some beat somewhere was the first horse to come through the ring at the, uh, at the sale at Lexington, the very first horse to come to the ring. Now here's the irony. There was a race-off. The races at Lexington that night went a little bit overboard. So a lot of the major buyers were watching the race, were not able to get there in time, and therefore, some beat somewhere went for the bargain price of $40,000. Now, if you look back, perhaps you can say that if some of those big buyers would have been there, that this would have been a much higher purchase, and the schooner stables wouldn't have been able to get them. But uh, it's just – it's so funny how things like that work out. And I think that Kim I mean, Middleton's tweet is so accurate, Mike, so accurate in the sense that, you know, some of the smaller time guys still do have a shot at greatness in this sport. Well, look at Dave Maneri a few years back. He's watching, uh, was, I believe, what was it? 35, $4,000, $5,000 purchase. I mean, yeah. and look what he went on to do. I mean, he went on to do some incredible, incredible things, uh, during his career. So, you know, it, it goes to show it doesn't necessarily matter if it's a homebred because wiggle jiggle it's a homebred it doesn't matter if you purchase it for five six seven thirty thousand dollars you know what the next champion could be right in your backyard absolutely well when we come back we're going to take a little bit of a break from uh, some beach somewhere and we're going to talk a little bit about another serious issue not only uh, in the sport of harness racing that affects a lot of people in the sport of harness racing, but life in general, multiple sclerosis. Jeff and Janine Gessig formed Pacing for the Cure, and uh, they have done a terrific, terrific job of creating awareness for multiple sclerosis in the sport of harness racing. We're going to hear from Janine Gessig next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. 
Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Visiting with Janine Gessick, Janine from Pacing for the Cure. Janine, tell us a little bit about Pacing for the Cure, what it is exactly, and how it got started. Pacing for the Cure is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to help those living with multiple sclerosis obtain financial assistance for their medical equipment or services to manage this debilitating disease of the central nervous system. Jeff and I co-founded Pacing for the Cure in the spring of 2016, and the idea to start a nonprofit was spurred by an encounter with a yearling pacer named Mr. Bill G. Jeff's keen eye caught hip number 765 in the Harrisburg Cell Black Book 2015, and we decided to place a bid on him in November of 2015 at the Harrisburg Sale. Mr. Bill G happens to be the namesake of Jeff's father, Mr. William Gessick, who was a harness racing fan and owner for many years, and he's lived with multiple sclerosis for over 30 years. Unfortunately, he recently passed from this life in October of 2017. Jeff and I purchased Mr. Bill G with funds from our own personal account, and we pay all his bills to get him to the races. And in fact, he's now racing at Dover and is anticipated to help pay for a cure with a portion of his earnings going directly to the charity. 
Janine, what exactly is multiple sclerosis, and how many people are estimated to actually be living with this disease? So no one really knows exactly how many people have MS, but experts believe that there are roughly 2.5 million people worldwide and at least 400,000 in the United States. MS is a nervous system disease that affects the brain and the spinal cord and damages the myelin sheath. That's the material that surrounds and protects nerve cells. This damage slows down and blocks messages between the brain and the body, and that leads to the symptoms of MS. And many of those symptoms are, are things like visual disturbances, muscle weakness, difficulty with coordination and balance, people feeling like pins and needles or prickling sensations, and thinking or memory problems. So a lot of people ask what really causes MS. And the research is showing that it's mostly a settled question that it is an autoimmune disease whereby the immune system attacks healthy cells in the body by mistake. And unfortunately, it seems in this particular autoimmune um, disorder that twice as many women are affected by it as men. And it often begins at the ages between 20 and 40, although certainly people can develop it before the age of 20 as well as after the age of 40. And currently there is no cure for multiple sclerosis. So pacing for the cure is using harness racing as a vehicle uh, to create awareness for multiple sclerosis. Tell us about what you guys are doing currently within the sport of harness racing. So pacing for the cure as an all-volunteer organization we raise awareness about multiple sclerosis in the harness racing industry, and we have several planned events throughout the year. These events include inviting fans to participate in local MS walks around the racetrack. We do fundraising at community event activities where the sport of harness racing is showcased. We go to breeding farm open houses, and we have our premier annual dinner party in Harrisburg during the yearling sale. So Jeff and I are committed to creating a community of support for those living with multiple sclerosis within the harness racing industry and, at, and also bringing new fans into this great sport. We are so grateful to all the sponsors, individual and corporate donors, volunteers, and all the wonderful harness racing fans who have supported us at our events throughout the past two years. We also have a social media site on Facebook and Twitter, and we ask that folks who are listening here today help us spread the word about upcoming events. Your generous support and donations will help us to fund scooters for people in need, help them pay medical bills or co-pay for MS medication, and also help us fund cutting-edge human immunology MS research. We know and are confident that together we all can make a difference, one person at a time, and give back to those who are struggling and in financial need from this debilitating disease of the central nervous system. Thank you very much, Janine. To find out how you can be a part of the cure, visit pacingforthecure.org. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org.
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, a Sun Beach Somewhere tribute show rolls on. And right now, we're joined by Amanda Gallagher. Amanda, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? All right. Well, a lot of people in the harness racing industry uh, probably don't know who Amanda Gallagher is. So, <laughs> this is your chance to introduce yourself to the harness racing world. Who is Amanda Gallagher? Well, um, I, I'm a Nova Scotian, so I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, so friendly maritimer, the stereotype is true. Um, but I'm also a director, so I'm a documentary director, and I work for Clarity Entertainment, and we're based out of um, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And I am currently directing a documentary on some beach somewhere. Now, Amanda, how did this documentary uh, kind of come along, and where, uh, where, what are the plans uh, for it going forward? Um, well, I believe it, the idea came along. Our executive producer and CEO of Clarice, Dale Stevens, had seen the National Post uh, feature on some beach somewhere and thought this was a really interesting story and started um, digging a bit more and learned about beach and how exceptional he was and how important he was to people locally here in Nova Scotia, nationally, and also internationally. And I think it just became very apparent that there needed to be a doc about uh, this horse. And um, I came on in the fall, so it went through development, and I was finishing another doc, and I do work for Clarity, and Dale approached me, and that's sort of how I came on board. Can you tell us where the documentary is at this point in time? I mean, obviously the, you know, the the, the big horse passed away, and I, I don't know if that, you know, kind of threw any, you know, if you guys had to do a plan B or whatever. But can you give us an update right now on where the documentary is? Yeah, well, we started filming in the fall, um, so we kind of kicked things off at, at actually the Lexington Yearling Sale. And it wasn't long after that we were planning to go to Hanover Shoe Farms to uh, eventually to shoot with Beach and to talk about his stallion career. And um, we just we we obviously found out the news that he was diagnosed. So we've continued shooting with um, we did speak I know with Paul McDonnell who you had on earlier, um, and we went to Ontario and went to a lot of the tracks that he raced on. But we were trying to also allow. Hanover Shoe Farms and Schooner Stables to focus on Beach's health, and that was the most important thing. So we were kind of going from there, hoping for the best and um, giving them some space and time and just continuing with as much as we could and hoping that we would have a good outcome. Obviously, it went the opposite way, and we're just right now we're just trying to allow some time for people to heal. But the goal is the same. It's to, you know, create a story that is worthy of, some beach somewhere's legacy and really just tell the truth of what it is you know he so means so much to so many people and i think that will be very apparent 
So obviously you can't. I, I don't. You know, you probably, you guys probably don't have a, a date on to uh, when this would be finished and, and when this would be ready for public viewing. But can you give us a ballpark figure? Or are we still out of the range of that yet? I think we're out of the range. We were supposed to be kind of wrapping up around now, um, and so things there are obvious delays with that. Um, we're, I think we're at a little bit up in the air in terms of an exact date, but the way to keep uh, on top of that would be to follow our company on social media because we do update people on that regularly. So um, when things are about to air, we would, we would release those dates. That's exactly what my next question was. If anybody wants to <laughs> follow you and keep up to date on uh, where exactly the process is as far as the releasing of this documentary, tell us where we could follow you. Yeah, so we are, it's Clarisy Entertainment, so C-L-E-R-I-S-Y, and we're on Facebook, and we have an Instagram account and a Twitter, and so we have lots of interesting projects on the go um, along with this one, but that's where people would see updates for things um, such as when things will air, and also where they will air, because I know you probably have questions about you know where you will see this. Um, right. <laughs> our broadcaster is yeah, our broadcaster is Eastlink TV, and that they're so they're a provider of community television stations and local programming here and across Canada. So Eastlink cable subscribers will get their first look at the documentary. But um, with some Beach Somewhere's mass appeal, uh, the potential to see this online in the U.S. and overseas is also quite high. So staying tuned on social media would be the best thing. And hopefully, looking forward to uh, that those announcements in the future. Now, covering Sun Beach somewhere and, and working on this documentary, is this your first uh, go round with the sport of harness racing? You know, it is. Um, I was completely. It was a completely foreign concept to me. Um, big here in Nova Scotia, and I've had. I have people who are you know friends of family involved, but I was never personally involved. So, but. It became very interesting to me very early on. So just to bring it back a little bit, um, when I joined the project, I had no personal ties. But like the more I dug into some Beach Somewhere story, the more compelling it became. You know, And all of the people that we've talked to, this whole process have been nothing but wonderful and embraced us and you know we we went all through Ontario you know we were at Mohawk and Woodbine and we got to take in races and we've been shooting live racing and everybody has just been so kind you know we were at Grand River Raceway and wonderful people and that's really stood out to me through this whole process so it's been easy to get excited and you know I've just been pouring over all of the information and learning as I've gone along so it's been pretty pretty great experience for me. All right, good stuff. And, and one more time, uh, if anybody wants to follow you, wants to keep uh, exactly intact of where this documentary is and when it's going to be released, one more time, give us the details on how we can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a Facebook. It's all basically social media. So we do have a website, com, But you can also uh, go on Facebook, Clarecy Entertainment, and then we have a Twitter account and an Instagram account as well. Good stuff. Amanda, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll certainly be keeping tabs on that documentary. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. That was Amanda Gallagher from uh, Clarice Entertainment. Good stuff, Mike. Uh, and once again, we talked earlier in the program about horses and superstars and our superstars in this industry kind of breaking through to that next level to try to get into mainstream media and here we go, some beach somewhere, breaking through to that next level, 
I, for one, can't wait to see that documentary. It will definitely be interesting to watch, and it will be even cooler to watch, Mike, because it's somebody who um, did not have a uh, you know didn't have a harness racing background before, so it's kind of some fresh eyes on this uh, champion racehorse. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how how they do it. I mean, like you say, you know, with fresh eyes, it could, you know, it, it could be a good thing because you got one set of fresh eyes on there, and that means you're going to have a lot of different set of fresh eyes in that documentary comes out. So we will certainly keep tabs on uh, where that's going. Speaking of talking about Sunbeat Somewhere, breaking through that glass ceiling, if you will, getting to that next level and getting to mainstream media, our good friend from Ushua, Canada, Melissa Keith, sent us a little package about the Sunbeat Somewhere little production piece. And without further ado, let's roll that tape. Sunbeat Somewhere was never simply a horse. From his career debut in his elimination of the Battle of Waterloo at Grand River Raceway, he was a winner and a record setter. That's a new track record for a two-year-old pacing cold here at Grand River. 154-2, some beat somewhere, a strong debut. Could a harness horse break through the disinterest of the general public and mainstream media in 2007? If any horse could, it was the beach. In 2007, the undefeated Colt went six for six and shared the O'Brien Award for Canadian Horse of the Year with Tell All. Some Beat Somewhere, trained by Brent McGrath and driven by Paul McDonnell, was also the two-year-old pacing Colt of the Year for the Dan Patch Awards in the U.S. At three, Some Beat Somewhere was of interest to the mainstream. Outside of Nova Scotia, beyond Canada, he had become more than a horse. He was a phenomenon. For the first time in the history of this race, an undefeated horse gets it done. The schooner stables, the ship set sail, is some beat somewhere, he's nine for nine. His one career loss in the Meadowlands pace led to a Globe and Mail sports headline. Some beat somewhere is officially mortal after all. That November, the Globe and Mail, which traditionally does not show much interest in harness racing, put the focus on beach again. Sunbeat Somewhere was on pace for three million in career winnings. Read the headline. Sunbeat Somewhere Shutter Play is all ahead. It's come down to these four in the mischief rider. Shutter Play, Sunbeat Somewhere, some champion in 152-1. At the end of his three-year-old season, Sunbeat Somewhere was the obvious choice for Horse of the Year in Canada and the U.S. The three-year-old pacer also took home a Cam Fella Award for rare meritorious service to the sport. He made inroads in mainstream media at a time when legacy media was itself splintering into smaller audiences, rallying harness racing fans to focus their attention back onto television sets and newspapers. The CBC's 2008 Newsmaker of the Year is some beach somewhere. In a year of change and challenge, Obama, the coalition, recession, the brilliant cold some beach somewhere was our happy distraction. Every year needs one. During his racing career, many wished that Beach raced beyond his two and three-year-old seasons. Now, we all wish that he had had many more seasons in the stud barn at Hanover Shoe Farm. Some Beach Somewhere will not be forgotten. I'm Melissa Keith from Halifax, Nova Scotia.
Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I'll tell you what. It, what a show it has been, and we talked a lot about some beach somewhere in his race at the Meadowlands. Speaking of the Meadowlands, if you've never been to the Meadowlands racetrack, Mike, they've got so many dining options and so many great things going on out there. Uh, I know uh, you have had a chance to take in Pink uh, while you've been or while you visited with the natural Rich Bate. Oh, absolutely. It's a great, great dining experience. They've done such a great job with that new facility there. It's just a great place to watch a race. The food is excellent. Uh, Very, very convenient betting. They have betting windows right there, and I'll tell you what, they have done just a a tremendous, tremendous job with that new facility at the Big M. And I'll tell you what, they cater to the guys like the natural Rich Matei, the guys that like the fire a little bit, no question about it. That that's for sure. If you've never seen it or if you've never been, make sure you visit playmetalands.com for more information. You can also visit Victory Sports Club while you're there. Well, Mike, it has been a whirlwind of a show. It's been an emotional show, that's for sure. But we appreciate everybody uh, taking time out to join us. And uh, we'll get ready to kick this thing off again next week. Yeah, no question about it. Real quick before I let you go, and I know you know there's been some things happen. We haven't really had a chance to to talk about how our good friend The Natural did on the Meadowlands broadcast. I think it's on YouTube for anybody that missed it. He was on the, the In the Sulky with Dave Brower. And uh, what what'd you think? How did our young how did our young one do? Did he do all right? Considering his long shot won and paid like $25, I think he did fantastic. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, he all in all, he did a great job. Uh, he talked a little bit about a post time with Mike and Mike and did a fantastic and job. And he got, he got that, our yeah. plug. <laughs> That's right. We got our plug. And listen, we he, he does a fantastic job. If you've never seen some of Rich's selections, uh, you know, he, he's a big long shot kind of guy. And I, I tell you what, we, I think we all could use a guy like that. And uh, how about Jess Gotten as well, Mike, on uh, Western Fair Speed this week? Uh, she has done a fantastic job as well. And uh, we're certainly glad to have them as a part of our team. Well, for everybody uh, well, who on, helps. On one, sec- one more second, Mike. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just one more thing to make sure you check out our handicappers corner section of the website. It's sponsored by our good friends at Midwest Harness Report. It's a fantastic publication that covers all of Midwest Harness Racing. Make sure you visit them at MidwestHarnessReport.com. Good, good stuff there. Our friend uh, Tim Conkle does a fantastic job, and he's an award winner as well, Mike. I uh, believe, what, the, the uh, Ushua member of the year. So congratulations to Tim. Definitely. We'll see everybody back here next week. Post time is 1030. Good night, everybody.